And you are listening to The Breakfast Show. You're joined by myself, Lawson. you got Brett in the studio as well, doing a fantastic <laughs> job as we've come into the second hour. It's about 8.04 a.m. And Brett, you need to do nothing else but to get for us our next quiz question. Awesome. Uh, so this is a fill in the blank, so complete the verse. Mm-hmm. So uh, it says, And they shall see his face, and his name shall be... A, precious to them, B, sweeter than honey, C, called Emmanuel, or D, in their foreheads. Mm, okay, so fill in the blanks there, guys. 0491 that is the number to text. And if you text that number with the correct answer, you will go into the draw to win an amazing prize. Well, two amazing prizes, God With Us and God For Us by James mm. W. Gilly. Commentaries, books all about diving into the book of John and just the amazing narrative there that we have of, of Jesus, you know, coming as the Son of God, becoming, you know, the Word becoming flesh and dwelling among us and saving his people, which is a powerful, powerful well, thing to come to understand. It's something that we should understand. Considering the life of Jesus is something that we should do every day, and this book is definitely diving into that and helping us to understand it. So we want to give it to you for free. You just have to win the draw, which will be at 8.45 tomorrow. To get in the draw, you just have to answer questions correctly. But do you just want to run through that one more time for us, Brett? Sure. So complete the verse. And they shall see his face... And his name shall be A, precious to them, B, sweeter than honey, C, called Emmanuel, or D, in their foreheads. Mm, absolutely. 0491-064-669. We've got a few text messages here that have come in. Firstly, we've got from Freco. He says, USA Divided. Civil war, which uh, you know, very, very, uh, very scary terms there. But we were, we were chatting a little bit off air as well after that segment about well, essentially, if you didn't catch it, the Supreme Court of Colorado have ultimately decided to exclude Donald Trump from the ballot. Mm. So you can't you can't vote for him in Colorado. In, in yeah. Colorado, yeah. If you try to vote for him, his name isn't there. Yeah. So. Essentially, um, what's going to be interesting about that is polarization, um, <clears throat> as the text indicates. You know, this is going to mm. inflame both sides. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's going to make ultimately the biggest impact of this decision. Uh, what Lawson and I were discussing mm. was that, yeah, this is actually going to make people more tense because you know people who support Trump are going to feel that he's being witch hunted and persecuted, mm. and you know people who oppose him are going to think, well, he deserves to be deplatformed. And mm. yeah, it's it's pretty hectic leading up to the Christmas season. We're going to see families more divided, societies more divided, states more divided. Yeah, that's um, right. Well, I don't think it's a civil war right now. You know, by yeah. any means. It's getting tenser. More, yeah. We're getting more and more tense in the USA, and that's not a good sign. That's right. And I think that these these movements of divide uh, will heighten. Mm. And usually divide, and particularly as we see a, a situation in the US where there, there's great divide, firstly. Mm. Secondarily, there's inflation, which means that people's money is, is, going, <laughs> is yeah. worth less and less and less. And we see that difficulties and destabilizations of countries is always... Uh, previous to those things, it's always preceded by some type of inflation. Yeah. Uh, we've seen that in, in Zimbabwe or Venezuela or whatever. Like It's these kinds of financial issues that then lead to massive changes in terms of governance, in mm. terms of how a country functions and, and whatnot. So it's it's those two things um, yeah. that, that we see there. And 
like then we see some kind of conflict mm. and then that country galvanized into one direction or another direction. Yeah. Th- th- then there's unity. And we see that even if we look in American history, we talked earlier about the Civil War, yeah, right? We talked about very much there was literally a line across the United States and south of that line yeah. there was slavery and then north of their line that wasn't slavery. And, mm. and, and you know, I think a lot of uh, historians, particularly of those times, can say that, oh, the Civil War was more than than slavery and it was it was about mm. individual state rights uh, and individual state governance and ruling but slavery was the big issue that highlighted yeah. that uh, because you saw such divide over it and, yeah, and then the straw that broke the camel's back absolutely yeah. and you then see uh, as a result uh, there's a civil war that takes place mm. and the the the, the south uh, the confederates are, de- are defeated mm. and that really galvanized the united states like all the concept of the united states previous mm. to that point people would have identified themselves as ohioans or Virgin- you know if mm. if an american were to jump on a boat and go to england they would say yes i am i'm from well they wouldn't say i'm from the u.s mm. they would say oh yeah i'm from the americas i'm, I'm an ohioan yeah. or i'm a virginian because 100%. there was that divide there that that individualism but then after that again that galvanization into the United States yeah. of America that came as a result of conflict. As we see, you know, these factors for conflict coming together mm. and it potentially will lead to conflict, then the nation will be then galvanized into going to one particular direction. Yeah. And once that galvanizing happens, when we look at a world power like the US, which exerts so much cultural, economic, and uh, political and military influence mm. over the world, the direction that they're galvanized in can lead to well basically the the outcome of politics for the next however many yeah. years but furthermore as well and this is something i mentioned at the end of my at the, at the end of the section there was prophetically you mm. know when we look at the bible and we see oh there's going to be a worldwide globalist movement which will enforce laws to keep people from worshiping god yeah. that has to come from one of these great superpowers, mm. and uh, you know, I think it's it's likely to be a you know a great Western superpower because it has the the biggest influence, the most cultural influence, and I think mm. that it's likely going to be the US uh, yeah. that will that will that can put those things in place, or that can be a player in putting those things in place, mm. and so therefore, this is really important times. It'll be interesting to see where this goes. Yeah, well, it's funny with US's power. You know, we talk about rising superpowers and everything, but mm. even China, which is the second um, most economically wealthy mm. nation in the world, its GDP is about a quarter of the US's. Yeah. So, you know, the US is still very unassailable. It's got more allies. It's got a stronger position. Yeah. But it's got some significant social and economic issues. And yeah. And our social issues tend to flow downstream of theirs oh, to some extent. Absolutely. We, we Even here in Australia, and I think around the world generally, we are seeing heightened political tension that's right political and, tension political divide and and that yeah. leads to all kinds of i think interpersonal friction mm. but then as well it's there are huge implications on the future but mm. honestly simultaneously as much as we say all these things as much as we can focus on these situations we also very much encourage you to focus on christ mm. uh, and the amazing things that he has done and the way that he can deliver his people we're going to get into yeah. that in our bible study if I could mention something. Yeah. Um, I think something about the way Jesus dealt with things is that there mm. were actual conspiracies on his life Yeah. Uh, wow. in many cases. And, you know, what he always did is he sort of acknowledged them, moved on, and did the work. You know, wow. it never dissuaded him from his mission. Wow. And I think that that's a good lesson for Christians in general. If we want to follow Christ, you know, whatever's going on in the world, if things are great, if things are bad, 
fair enough. Like, it's good to keep an eye on these things. It's good to be aware. But it doesn't change our core mission. You know, the Great Commission, go and tell the world. That is such a powerful point, particularly in an era where we're seeing Christian leaders around the world, whether it be the Pope or or Justin Welby, you know, the Mm. Arch... uh, Arch you know, Archbishop, G- of Bishop of Canterbury, or mm. or these guys who it seems as when you when you look at their official press releases or their Twitter or whatever it may be, all they can do is focus on worldly issues. Yeah, it's it's like oh, it has nothing to do with with sharing the gospel. Mm. Uh, we as Christians should say, hey, like we we have our mission. Yeah, and and also as well as much as I think we have a place to to lobby in parliament or to have a say mm. in politics or whatever, because we're citizens of these countries. I'm a yeah. citizen of Australia. I can vote. I can do all those things. At, at the same time, in terms of reaching people with the gospel, that is very much a personal mm. thing. Yeah, that, that is that is that is ultimately achieved by personal effort and yeah. us interacting personally with other people. And how I know this is that there's countries around the world that have outright banned the, the worship of Jesus, yes. yet people are still being converted. Mm. And that is because of the personal motivation and the devotion of Christians there who yeah. have been led powerfully by the Holy Spirit, emboldened by the Holy Spirit to share mm. the gospel. And the work is successfully going forward in those countries mm. despite that persecution. 100%. Yeah, and at the end of the day... Um, We've got an, the gospel goes beyond um, these tribes that the world is setting up at the moment. Absolutely, you know, like the gospel is not free market capitalism. The gospel <laughs> is not socialism. You know, wherever you sit politically, the gospel goes beyond that. And, yeah, and we've always got to remember that we've got that common drive as Christians to spread the word, to share Jesus with the world, because more than anything else, that's what the world desperately needs. Mm, absolutely guys so much to look forward to because well we believe jesus is coming soon you know Mm. obviously we look forward to a great christmas and a holiday but (laughs) ultimately we look forward to the son of god coming and and meeting us where we're at Mm. which will be amazing you're listening to the breakfast chat connect with us on 0491 064 Hey, we have another text message here quickly. Suzanne writes in, Hey, thanks for the salad ideas, Jeremy. I needed some inspiration for our church meal, which I'm going to be preaching this weekend, actually, 23rd of December. I'm going to be doing the Christmas sermon at Raymond Terrace Mission Church up there. So if you're in that area, come check it out and, and have a listen and spend some time with us. I think, you know, usually at that time, church can get a little bit scarce because even though at Christmas time, you think, Oh, aren't people going to church? Well, it's, it's funny. Often people will head out on holidays or whatever it may be. So I'm going to be up there. I'm going to be doing church. I think I'm going to be doing music as well. Yeah, just a, a few things on my on my plate for for Christmas time and and coming up this weekend. But hey, we are going to jump into the Bible. Uh, we are going to be continuing on the story of Esther and particularly looking at Esther chapter four verses one to fourteen. Mm. Now preceding this, we've seen Mordecai faithfully uh, declare, you know, his his nation, his status, where he's from, and and live up to that, not bow down to Haman, you know, not bow down because of his personal convictions as a Jew that and mm. as a, and as a follower of God, that the only person who should be da- bowed down to is God Himself. Mm. You know, no man, no image, no idol. And unfortunately, it's got him in some hot water with Haman the Agagite here, which we actually highlighted yesterday. The reason there is this this difficulty with with Haman and this situation mm. even exists comes as a result of the failure of King Saul 
to actually bring to an end the lineage of the Agagites. Uh, well, we see that there's King Agag, who was the king of the Amalekites, who actually survived mm. as a result. This is First Samuel chapter 15. Mm. Res- uh, he survived the destruction of the Amalekites, because not because of any compassion on the part of Saul, but more of, you know, selfishness. Uh, <laughs> and we talked about this yesterday a little bit, you know, the reason they were called to be destroyed by God, it was judgment had been brought against them because not only had they resisted Israel, during their attempts to establish themselves in the promised land. But furthermore, as well, they had also, you know, they were like pagans sacrificing children. They Mm. were at the height of evil. They were at the height of immorality. God brings judgment against them, using Israel as a tool to destroy them. Mm. And the king of the Amalekites, Agag, instead of being killed as all of the, you know, the people and the thing, God even says, don't even take their livestock, you know, don't Mm. take anything from them wipe them out. Instead, Saul takes Agag as a captive, you know, a political bargaining tool, mm. and he also takes their livestock and whatnot. Hey, this is, and he even offers it as sacrifice to the Lord, like, yep, God, you know, look at what we've done. Mm. And God is furious. And as a result, like, well, <laughs> the prophet Samuel is really furious. And on behalf mm. of God, the prophet Samuel is like, you've failed here. Like you've, you've walked completely in selfishness. You don't have the nation's best interests at heart. This is going to come back mm. to bite us and you've lost your spot as king. Now, fast forward the tape, you know, some, <laughs> some 700, 800 years, all the way to the period of Queen Esther mm. and Haman, the Agagite, with that personal history and, you know, now being infuriated that uh, Mordecai isn't bowing down. Mm. He's like, hey, let's, let's get rid of this guy. And then we've got the response here from, from, well, the conversation Mordecai and Esther have regarding this particular situation. We're going to pick it up in Esther chapter 4. Do you want to go to Esther chapter 4 for us? And let's start reading in verse 1. Esther chapter 4 and verse 1. And let's just read for you a few verses. If you can get that for us, Brett. Awesome. Yep, no worries at all. So uh, I'm reading from the New King James Version. When Mordecai learned all that had happened, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city. He cried out with a loud and bitter cry. He went as far as the front of the king's gate, for no one might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province where the king's command and decree arrived, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting, weeping and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Mm, We'll stop there for a little bit. So, there's mourning, weeping, wailing, what? Why is this? What? Haman's reaction? Why has it caused such disdain and such such uh, discouragement amongst the Jewish captives here in the land of Medo Persia? Yeah, well, I think they know that they're in danger. Mm. You know, at the end of the day, based on what Mordecai witnessed, mm. you know, things aren't looking good yeah. <laughs> for the Jewish people living in that community. Mm. And um, of course, yeah, people are naturally despairing. Mm. Um, they're pretty upset. Uh, also, it can bring attention to the issue, though. And mm. I think to some extent, Mordecai hopes that Esther, who is in a position of power in this situation, mm. at least more than most, um, may notice what's going on. Mm. That's why I think he went to the king's gate. Yeah. He wanted to go to a public place to kind of proclaim there's a problem here. Mm. Absolutely. Think about, particularly for the Jews at this point, the progression of their people. Mm. Uh, just some, some 100 150, 200 years previous to this situation mm. in which their nation has been totally destroyed, their mm. city, their holy temple, whatever it may be, that was preceded by 
hundreds of years at scores of terrible kings who mm. led the nation astray from the glory days of, you know, well, even if you can say the Exodus, when I think at that point, even though they had some problems there, it was that mm. those initial periods entering the land of Canaan and keeping mm. the feasts and whatnot. It's like, okay, the glory days. Then you had great declines in the nations that we then see the judges being mm. raised up by God to save the nations yeah. from, you know, oppression from outside nations and what, whatever it may be. Mm. Then you come to the era of the kings, which, again, God didn't want to establish kings, but Mm. he knew that the nation of Israel would, and so he puts a king in place. That's Saul. Mm. Saul fails. That's replaced by David. David was a man after God's own heart, has his own Mm. difficulties. You then come to the period of Solomon, where Mm. at that time you've really got an Israelite empire. They were the biggest... Uh, that they had ever been geographically in terms of their land mass. Mm. They were the biggest that they had ever been economically as well. It was mm. When we talk about a land flowing with milk and honey and then you replace milk and honey with gold and silver and, and mm. all, like that was the, the Solomon golden age yeah. of Israel. But it also began the decline because Solomon starts to engage with you know, other nations in the way that they do, including diplomatic marriages. That's right. Which leads him to have far too many wives. And that's right. He <laughs> gets all these wives and all of a sudden you see modelled by <clears throat> the most successful king that there ever was is, mm. oh, you know, it's it's okay that we can interact with with paganism and mm. people from from pagan origin. Well, this is the thing. I don't think God has ever been racist or exclusive in the sense mm. that, oh, it's, it's wrong to interact with these people, but to take on board their paganism mm. and to worship other gods, that then led to the continual decline of the kingdom, mm. which then further led to their captivity in Babylon. Mm. And then it's like, okay, they, they made it through the captivity. You know, mm. they made it, and now they're in Medo-Persia. They're in a kingdom that, okay, has some more favorable... Uh, even though their nation is currently destroyed, even though Jerusalem is destroyed, they have you know more favorable tolerance towards them. And now the decrees come out. Not only have you lost everything, mm. there is no there is no more twelve tribes. All the twelve tribes they're destroyed. Mm. All that's left is Judea. Okay, now Judea is destroyed. All that's left is the Jews. Mm. Um, now you are going to be destroyed. Yeah. This could, gasp. this could be it for God's people. Mm. Uh, and in terms of you know, and again at this time. They're still looking forward to the coming of a Messiah, mm. to, of a Holy One to save the world. You know, yeah. they're, they're still looking forward to this, and it still hasn't come, mm. and yet they're on the brink of their extermination, Yeah, essentially. Well, even the fact that they stayed together as a community, you know, they'd mm. sort of learned their lesson mm. because of the exile. Mm. The Jewish people had co- kind of come together and stayed together as a nation, even in exile. They were still... Mm a distinct entity with their distinct faith, mm. and that had been championed by people like Daniel and all these people over mm. the years. Um but yeah, like they they were trying to turn they were trying to turn away from the course that had been set by the kingdom. Yeah, and um, you know it seemed like when they're at their lowest point, someone's just dug a hole and they're going to fall further. That's right. You know, and in their efforts to do so as well, like think about Mordecai. Like mm. Mordecai has caused this hell by being faithful. Mm. Oof! Like talk about a time in which you would doubt. The, the providence of God, you would yeah. doubt your future and, and whether God is working. And, and again, the questions would come up, you know, my God, my God, like, why have you forsaken me? Like, yeah. this is where these people are at. Has God forsaken us? Has he, has he left us because of, because mm. of our, uh, our faithlessness? Yeah. This is the huge questions here. And yet, despite all of this, we're going to see that. Mordecai, and fortunately, the rest of the Jews, there, there is an answer 
to their distress. And the foundations for that answer are laid here in chapter four. We're going to be unpacking that, getting into that, and how it is that uh, that Esther actually responds and they come up with a plan to actually save God's people. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. And Brett, right now it has come time for the final quiz question. Last Do you want one. to get that for us? Awesome. In Deuteronomy 11, God promised to expand the land they set their foot on from what river to what sea? Mm. So okay. we've got a direct hint there, Deuteronomy 11. God promised to expand the land they set their foot on from what river to what sea? Wow. Okay, if you know the answer to this one, and it's very, this is very much encompass like the the most vast regions of the known world at the time. Mm. They're like, yeah, this is this is everything. Yeah. Uh, hey, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to text, and if you text that number with the correct answer, we'll go into the draw for God with us and God for us by James W. Gilly. Commentaries mm. on the Book of John. Beautiful books, getting into how God came and dwelt with humanity and lived and died and resurrected, and He is working as our Savior, mm. as our Advocate, and as our God as well. Mm. Hey, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine again in deuteronomy 11 god promised to expand the land they set their foot on from what river to what sea zero four nine one zero six four six six nine okay so we've seen all this decline in the nation of israel mm. now there's a death decree against them all yeah. the jews are going to be killed heavy hectic times mm. now we see okay well, what is the response here we've got esther this jewish girl she's kept her her identity a secret she's ended up in in a place of royalty. She is now yeah. the queen of Medo-Persia, the most powerful empire in the world at that time, mm. who has, again, made this death decree against the people. And uh, she now has to, well, consider and, and think about this. So yeah. we can pick it up and start reading. Do you want to get that for us in verse 4? And we'll just, we'll just keep reading through. We'll do. So Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her, and the queen was deeply distressed. Then she sent garments to clothe Mordecai and take his sackcloth away from him, but he would not accept them. So Mordecai has definitely got her mm. attention. Hey, Verse 5. Then Esther called Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs whom, it appointed, uh, whom he had appointed to attend her, and she gave him a command concerning Mordecai to learn what and why this was. So Hathak went to Mordecai in the city square and was in front of the king's gates. And Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay the ki- into the king's treasuries to destroy the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the written decree for their destruction, which was given at Shushan, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her, and that he might command her to go into the king to make supplication to him and plead before him for her people. So Hathak returned and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Then Esther spoke to Hathak and gave him a command for Mordecai. All the king's servants... And the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court of the king, who has not been called, he has but one law, put all to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter, that he may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go into the king these 30 days. So they told Mordecai Esther's words. Mm. And Mordecai, I'm oh, sorry. Oh, I just wanted to stop right there. Okay. Because obviously we, well, we're setting up here. There is some tension in this story. Oh, yeah. It's like... Okay, Esther's the queen. Mm. So she has some rights. She has very much influence yeah. and power. Um, but the, the the rules are in this case, and obviously, by the way, she would want to save her people. Mm. 
But the rules are, as we see here, uh, that if she is not called to go into the king's court, mm. she will be killed. Like, she will be put to death if unless mm. unless she is called. And particularly if she walks into the king's, called, into the <laughs> king's court uncalled mm. and she explains to them, hey, that race of people that, want, that need to be exterminated, I am mm. one of them. Yeah. So then she's got a double death decree. Mm. Uh, this could... Well, spell the end of her life, ultimately. Yeah, and there's reason for her to be nervous, too, because of um, what it says in verse 11. Yet I myself have not been called to go into the king these 30 days. Mm. Like, even without having the power to execute me, I'd be a bit nervous if I, my wife hadn't talked to me for 30 days. Mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's it's a pretty... She, she has good reason to be nervous here. Mm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, okay, well, let's continue to see well, what is Mordecai's response here, if you mm. want to pick it up in verse 13. Something incredibly profound, I reckon. Mm. It says, And Mordecai I told them to answer Esther, Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. So this shows Mordecai's faith in God, right? Mm. Even in amongst all his mourning, he knows that, um, that God will come through. But then what he says is really interesting. But you and your father's house will perish. Mm. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Wow. For such a time as this. This is powerful. Yeah. This is incredibly powerful. I, If we can break down what Mordecai says here. Firstly, despite being Esther's, well, kind of surrogate father a little bit, mm. you know, coming in, he's essentially Esther's older cousin, mm. uh, but raising Esther as her mm. parents had died. But he makes he, he makes a very harsh point. He's like, "Do not think in your heart that you'll escape the king's par- pal- in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews." Yeah, and he knows this because he's been in the in the palace. He's been yeah. in the court of the king, <laughs> and he is the one who's actually caused this problem. And he himself won't escape. Mm. Now, obviously, Esther has more influence than him. Mm. But if if the king was willing to throw out Vashti mm. because Vashti wasn't willing to, to like show herself off to a bunch mm. of other dudes while the king was <laughs> drunk. Then absolutely, like he'd be willing to get rid of Esther as yeah. well, and he makes this this point. He says, "Hey, don't think you can escape." Um, but then, so you you, we, you said there, I love that mm. his faith in God. He says, "Jews, the help for the Jews mm. will arise." He knows that the Jews are God's chosen people, and when we talk mm. about that, that whole idea of the Jews are God's chosen people, they had been chosen for the purpose of bringing forth the Messiah into the world. Mm. That promise was immutable. Uh, it had been put mm. in place by God, and it was it was to be fulfilled. Mm. Uh, and so help help would come, uh, but despite this, he says, "Hey, but if you don't help, like you and your father's house, it will perish. Like it yeah. will it will come to an end. Like there will be consequences for your actions. Like mm. you will you being in a position to help this, you will bear brunt and responsibility mm. for the failure of this." But then yeah. this powerful, powerful, powerful passage yeah. here, it says, yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Yeah. I, love th- I love that phrase, you know, for such mm. a time as this, because at the end of the day, if we're to apply this to our personal lives, um, it's worth considering what mm. time, what, for such a time as this, what, where have you been placed? Where are you mm. right now? What's unique about Esther uh, compared to many of the books of the Bible mm. is that um, you don't really see God speaking directly. Like yeah. in many of the books of the Bible, God's speaking through prophets or God outright speaks. Mm. Um, but Esther is pretty unique in that at no point do we actually hear word, God's words directly. Mm. Uh, but we do see God working though. And yes. I, I think this is an important book in Scripture for this reason because at the end of the day, most of us, are never going to be blessed to directly hear God's voice in this lifetime, yeah. you know, on this earth. 
but we all, I believe very strongly that God is working in all of our lives. Mm. He, he is working. He's got a plan. And even if we might not directly hear him, other than through reading his word, of course, um, he's working in our lives. And it's worth asking the question, wherever you are right now, for all of you listening, for such a time as this, it's worth considering, where are you? Where have you been placed? What impact can you have? It's big mm. or small. Sometimes it's the smallest things that can really, the, the littlest things that you do, that you're in a position of power to do, to share the gospel, to talk to a friend about it, to to simply be uh, exhibiting a different character in a workplace drama situation mm. than most people, whatever it might be. Um, you too, I think, have been called into where you are right now for such a time as this. There are mm. things that will be faced uh, where God is working and it's through you being willing to actually step up like Esther ultimately did and like Mordecai did um, that God can work. Yeah, I think that's worth absolutely. Considering. And it's completely based on the decision there because outside of the decision in terms of the power mm. and the ability to go do these things, God supplies and supplements. This yeah. is what he makes absolutely clear. And the decision ultimately that Esther makes, what she decides in her heart, she says, and so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if mm. I perish... I perish. Yeah. She says, hey, I have been put here. I'm going to follow up on the call that God has given me. It's mm. powerful. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. You're listening to The Faith FM Breakfast Show. Positively different radio. Questions you need answered? The popular question of the day segment has moved. Lyle Southwell will answer every Bible question you have on his new time spot Thursdays at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Faith FM. During the afternoons with Shell program. So send your questions to info at faithfm.com.au or text us at 04 888 8056. Now, I would be asking you, normally, throughout this show, Brett, I've asked you what the next quiz question is. But now we're not doing quiz questions. We're doing some quiz answers. That's so right. let's let's go through each one of the questions and, and have a look at the answers for those. Yeah, so the first question was, in the armor of God, what is the sword of the Spirit? And the answer is the Word of God. Yeah. Now, you are telling us uh, a little bit earlier about how you've, you've at times been really interested in medieval <laughs> combat and whatnot. You own a suit of armor. Mm. Do you own a sword as well? I do, yeah. Oh, epic. So, and I actually think there's a reason that the sword was used as imagery um, wow. for the full armor of God, as, as the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, a sword, to use it effectively, it's got to balance. You've got to actually feel its movement. You can't sort of just use it like a big stick and keep whacking people with it. Mm. You've got to sort of follow through with your blows. You've got mm. to use it in a very specific way. And um, so in a way, it's it's got a mind of its own. It's yeah. a simplification, I suppose, but it's it's got its own sort of flow, its own weight. You've got to work with it, not against it. Mm. And the Word of God is like that, right? Mm. Sometimes the Word of God challenges us. Sometimes we've got to, we've got to go with the flow of the Word of God. Mm. Um, and I think that's pretty cool. So. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It, oh, that's powerful. Mm. You could preach a sermon on that, bro. I have, actually. <laughs> In armor. There. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Hey, what nameless yet famous woman from the Bible had five previous husbands and lived with another man? Who was it? It was the woman at the well of Samaria. Yeah. Now, again, as much as we say, uh, I was kind of joking a little bit, oh, it's unfortunate that that's kind of how we categorize her. Simultaneously, it's actually a testament to the love 
of Christ. Mm. And it's a testimony of how a woman uh, who was firstly Sumerian, mm. secondly a known adulterer, mm. uh, so she was double rejected, yeah. by, particularly by Jews, by God's people. Uh, well, she was a woman from mm. Samaria who was a, like an adulterer. Like yeah. th- those three factors alone, like mm. you're talking about someone who would have been considered as the lowest of the lowest of the low, yeah. yet Jesus is willing to, in faith, you know, just chat with this woman, mm. share with this woman, and to see her basically come to Christ and then become an evangelist herself, mm. you know, and share yeah. with her people. Like, this person knew what I was going through, knew my mm. history, knew my trauma, yeah. interact with me, and, and just amazing things happens as yeah. a result. Well, she was like, <laughs> she, she was the lowest of the low societally. Yeah. In the eyes of her own society, she was ostracized. That's why she yeah. went to the well at that time. But... You know, she became an effective evangelist who converted most of her town. Like wow. That is powerful. And it shows that no matter how broken we feel we are, in Christ we are made whole. Wow, yeah. powerful stuff. What plague fell on Egypt just before the death of the firstborn? Uh, it was the plague of darkness. Yeah, so not COVID, if anyone texted that. <laughs> uh, but darkness, yeah. Mm. All right, can you get that next one for us? Yeah, so th- this was the complete the verse. It was, and they shall see his face and his name shall be... The answer was D, in their foreheads. Mm, absolutely. Hey, if you got that one correct, well then, fantastic, great work. I feel like some people might have been tripped up a little bit with the answer C called Emmanuel. Mm. But yeah, so in their foreheads, this is actually a reference, I believe, to Deuteronomy. And it's where the practice of phylacteries came from, which is which is where they took portions of scripture and put them in little leather boxes and then tied it to their hats and whatnot. And you'll see Jews doing that even today. Yeah. Uh, and then get that last one for us. Yeah. yeah. So in Deuteronomy 11, God promised to expand the land they set their foot on from what river to what sea? And that was the Euphrates River to the Mediterranean Sea. Yeah, absolutely. The entire fertile crescent. That's yeah. right. From from the biggest river in the known world to, well, they called it the Great Sea, the yeah. Mediterranean, you know, which which very much, I, I think at the time in which they were that was written, the mm. questions regarding, okay, did they know that there was like the, the North Sea or the, the mm. Black Sea or did they, they have any conception of, of how east the world went? That mm. being, despite that, it was like, hey, the point that God is ultimately making is mm. all over the world. From, yeah. from wherever knowledge can be known, that's where you'll be. And yeah. I feel like in Christ that has very much come to fruition. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, that, that the Mediterranean was the center Mm. of commerce, of trade. It was, it was mm. really where the world came together around mm. that sea. So even if they knew of other seas, like that's the one to have a, yeah. a port on. Yeah, you know, if you have influence there, then that's... that's are reaching uh, everywhere. That's right. And of course... Again, and we talk. When did it, when did that come to fruition? I think, I mean, you know, Acts chapter ten. Mm. It's uh, they take that step. Oh, sorry, more like Acts chapter sixteen. I should say mm. they take that step over into Europe, and it's all across yeah. from from the Euphrates River all across there. The gospel goes forward. Mm. That was the only time in which you could say any God fearing follower had that influence mm. is when the gospel went forward. So yeah. powerful stuff there. You are listening to the breakfast show here on Faith FM. You've been joined this morning by myself, Lawson, and we've had Brett. Mm. Brett, thank you so much for, for coming in, hanging out with us today. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Oh, dude, that's awesome. What does what your holiday time look like coming up? Uh, well, I'm going back to... I'm from Queensland originally, so I'm heading up north to... Um, we won't to, hold that against you. Yeah, Warwick and uh, <laughs> <laughs> not the warm sort of beachy part of Queensland, that's but it's right. a nice place anyway. And um, yeah, going to spend Christmas with family up that way. And, oh, um, amazing. Yeah, nice. Speaking of warm beachy parts of Queensland and not being them, I've actually... I've been to Warwick. Uh, <laughs> I've hung out there a couple of times because there's actually a motorbike track out that way. Yeah, Morgan Park. Yeah, Morgan Park. <laughs> I hung out at Morgan Park a couple of times. Mm. And it, oh, I've, I've literally ridden there when it's been below freezing. 
Like, yeah. like it's beat, like we've woken up in the morning, like we've, we're, we're starting the bikes up and it's like minus two degrees. Oh, yeah. Like it's, it's, it it's is, cold. can be really cold <laughs> in Queensland, funnily enough. But, yeah. uh, but hey, interesting stuff. Guys, hoping you're having a good Christmas and we have a prize to leave with you at the end of the show. You don't need to answer any questions. You just need to be the first person to text through the word book at 0491064669 here. I've got the book. It's called The Next Superpower by Mark Finley, Ancient Prophet. Global events and your future. Very much in line with what we were talking about in our mm. new segment today. There's a fantastic resource looking at Bible prophecy, looking at where it's pointing to the world heading politically mm. uh, and where what the world will look like before Jesus comes back. But hey, you have been listening to The Breakfast Show. We hope that you have a fantastic day and tune in tomorrow as it's our last show of the year. But guys, remember to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.